This show is presented by the 323 Network. You can watch all your favorite 323 friends and shows on the 323 Network YouTube channel. Follow us on all social media platforms at 323read. And support us as we continue to grow at patreon.com slash 323read. That's 323-R-E-I-D. Are you ready for the ultimate college football experience? Look no further than 323 University, home of the legendary 323 Cupcakes. At 323U, we redefine the meaning of underdog. Our players are so good at losing, they turn it into an art form. Here at 323U, we don't just lose games, we make history. Our defeats are the stuff of legends. Want to see the biggest schools flex their muscles? We're their favorite workout routine. That's right, the heavyweights of college football pay us just to make them look good. Ever wondered how Alabama and Ohio State stay on top? It's because of us! (laughs) (laughs) But that's not all. Our campus is a treasure trove of unforgettable experiences. We have a stadium with more seats than we have fans. And our mascot, Sprinkles the Spirited Cupcake, has his own Instagram following. Plus, our professors are experts in turning setbacks into stepping stones. They'll teach you how to lose with dignity and come back stronger. Now, let's talk academics. Our scholastic department is so elite, Betsy DeVos asked if she could enroll. But don't worry, our professors are just as committed to excellence as our football team. (laughs) And let's not forget our star-studded alumni, Ron DeSantis and Glenn Youngkin. They're not just big names, they're big sponsors and boosters at 323 University. They know a winning team when they see one. 323 University, where losing is not just a skill, it's an art. Join us and be part of the legacy. Go Cupcakes! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 323. I am your host, Reed Murphy. I'm really happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. Who the fuck is that guy? Look at the show. I'm the captain. Welcome to the fucking show. Fuck Scott. That is right, folks. Welcome to another installment of College Shame Day. I am your host, Scott Elia, and we are joined once again by Big Mac Daddy, Reed Murphy. I think every week that you join me, Reed, I'm going to have to figure out some brand new name to call you. I kind of like I like, I like, I like anything with Daddy. That was my high school nickname, was Reed Daddy. So anything with Daddy kind of fits for me. Oh man, well, you know what? You know, I think we'll, I think we'll stick with that. I think we'll just go for, for every variation of Daddy that I possibly can. 
Shout out to Day Day. <laughs> oh, folks, man, I don't know if you guys watched the week two of the college football season, but it was a, another wild one. A lot of crazy things, a lot of shenanigans once again, and some uh, two huge developments coming out last week. Um, but a little bit of housekeeping first. Just want to kind of delve over a little, a couple of these games really quick, especially in the top 25. You got Georgia, number one Georgia completely destroying Ball State 45-3. to three. No shocker there. Michigan, number two Michigan, 35-7 to seven over UNLV. Texas at Alabama. We'll get into that a little bit shortly, but just kind of a little snippet. Texas, thankfully, got that on the road upset over Alabama 34 to 24. Your Florida State Seminoles 66 to 13. This game was over by halftime and I enjoyed every second of it. Ohio State 35 to 7 over Youngstown State. USC over Stanford 56 to 10. Penn State over Delaware 63 to 7. A lot of these big game scores. Washington over Tulsa 43 to 10. This game shocked me. This game was closer than what it really even needed to be, and I'm very worried for Tennessee going into Gainesville next week against Florida, only beating Austin P. 30 to 13. I mean, when you're a team in the top 10 and you're going up against a team that is 0-2 now in Austin P., you think you should be able to do a little bit more. Hopefully Joe Milton can uh, course correct a little bit there. Another game I was really excited to watch last week, Notre Dame on the road against NC State. Sam Harton returning to North Carolina against a familiar foe, beating them 45 to 24. Utah on the road against Baylor, beating them in a nail biter 20 to 13. And to preface the future conversation with this, fuck you, Utah, by only winning by seven points. Nothing ever good comes from Utah. Oh, but I digress. Oregon over Texas Tech, 38 to 30. LSU over Grambling, 72-10. to 10. This is a game that the LSU faithful were really hoping to see, but again, it's Grambling. Reed, have you ever heard of Grambling? I've, I've actually heard of Grambling. I can't name necessarily any alumni from it, but I'm on the case. On the case. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Kansas State over Troy, 42-13. Oregon State over UC Davis, 55-7. North Carolina over Appalachian State in an overtime victory, 40 to 34. That was one that I was not expecting to see that close. But thankfully, Drake May and company got their got their act right in overtime and got that victory. Oklahoma over, over SMU 28 to 11. Oregon State over Wisconsin in an upset 31-22. Poor Wisconsin. That one loss victory, that one loss is really going to hurt them down the road, and especially in the Big Ten. One of my games of the week last week was Ole Miss going to Tulane and Ole Miss winning on the road 37-20. to Duke over Lafayette 42-7. to Colorado over Nebraska 36-14. I don't think that was really a surprise for anybody, especially with Nebraska being pretty much irrelevant over the past couple of decades. Hopefully Matt Rule was going to be able to go in there and do something to get that just football team and the culture turned around. It looks like it's going to be a little bit more of a slower process than we thought, especially when you got to go against prime time himself. But I digress there as well. Rounding it out, Miami over Texas A&M, 48-33, a game that I couldn't care less about. 
and Clemson over Charleston Southern, 66 to 17. Reed, do you think Clemson, with that victory, do you think they have any kind of relevancy in the ACC, let alone the college football playoff anymore? Just because of what they did to me in week one, I'm going to say no. I will never – I won't forgive them for what they did. <laughs> I will not forgive them for that loss to Duke. And as you shouldn't, as you shouldn't, because even though they got that victory, they're still not in the top 25. They are leading the the outside-looking-in vote with 86 votes to get into that top 25, but they did not make it. Um, a couple teams that got knocked out as well with them. Texas A&M, goodbye. Tulane, sorry. And Wisconsin, that sucks. That's the only one I feel bad for. But you sit here and think, okay, well, if those four are out, who are in? Miami's now in over that win over Texas A&M. You got Washington State in there sneaking in at 2-0. and Kudos to Washington State and Oregon State, by the way. The lowly two Pac-12 teams left with no real home. And they're 2-0 and right now in the season. Congrats to them. And then also UCLA and Iowa also getting added into the top 25. A couple notable things also in the top 25 as far as movement goes. You got Ole Miss going up three more spots to 17. Colorado and primetime going up four more spots to 18. You got Texas with that victory over Alabama, shooting up seven spots to four. But also Alabama now drops down to 10, so they just pretty much just flip-flop there. And then your Florida State Seminoles are creeping further and further up that leaderboard. Now at number three, congratulations, Seminole country. Man. But of course, with all those great games and victories and high-scoring games as well, there's a, been a little bit of a shuffle read as far as my top five for the, the Heisman goes. Of course, Caleb Williams is going to be firmly cemented number one on my board. Currently, Season to date, he's 55 for 70 with a 78.6 completion rating or completion percentage, 878 yards passing and 12 touchdowns, no interceptions. And then this is where the the wacky ensues. Because I have a three-way tie right now for a second on that board between Washington quarterback Michael Penix Jr., Florida State quarterback Jordan Travis, and... Reed, this is for you. Colorado quarterback Shador Sanders, who has been lighting it up through two games. He's 69 for 89, 77.5% completion percentage, 900 yards passing, and six touchdowns, no picks. Do you see him slowing down at all? I, well, I'm curious to see how he's going to perform against these bigger schools. Like when they go up against, they're going to be going up against uh, USC and Oregon, I believe. And I'm curious to see how he's going to play against these big schools. I think he's, I think he's got it. That dude's power is crazy. His release is nice. Accuracy's great. Athleticism's all over the place. And he was doing, he did the Dion. He did the Dion in the end zone. I mean, you can't, you got to love him. He's getting Heisman votes. He's going to be in the top five just for that. Oh, absolutely. Like you said, they have a, a couple games on their schedule that are going to be very, interesting to watch like you said they haven't even played usc yet they still got oregon on the board to play them um a couple other games they have left down the road as well you have you know you got you end the year against utah the reigning pac-12 champion you got washington state right before that you got oregon state like i said both teams being 2-0 ucla is 2-0 right now so they haven't even got to the the, the verbiage you like to use, the meat and potatoes to their schedule. They still got a long way to go, but hopefully they can keep up that steam out there in Boulder. But 
before we go any further into looking forward to week three, there's a there's a couple stories read that I kind of want to go over with you. We'll start on the heavier side though. Fans of the three two three, if you listened last week, you kind of heard me and Reed and company talking a little bit about Mel Tucker and what's going on right now at Michigan State University. Kind of touch up on it a little quicker. You know, a sexual harassment claim was made against Michigan State football coach Mel Tucker by Brenda Tracy, who is a world-renowned advocate, unfortunate victim of sexual harassment and things of that nature in the past. Um, initially, it was set to be resolved before the season even started. Uh, only information really out as of right now, you know, Brenda Tracy is accusing Mel Tucker of sexual harassment, including an incident during a phone call. Of course, Mel Tucker denies these allegations. Initially, a uh, Michigan State investigator recommended a hearing on the case for like late August before the football season, before the football season even opened up. But Mel Tucker's attorney and himself claimed they were unavailable for those dates and even most of the proposed dates in September. Eventually, the hearing was scheduled for October 5th and 6th during the team's bye week. And Tucker was actually suspended after the case details were reported. Now, one thing that really, this is where, Reed, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what I feel might be going on behind the behind closed doors because Michigan State's athletic director, Alan Haler, he knew of the complaint when it was filed back in December of last year in 2022, but had not previously disclosed any information. I mean, you're going coming up on a year now of having that kind of close to your chest, not letting that out. And now it's all over the place. Something smells fishy. Because the the only reports that I've seen was the only people that were made aware of this were a lot of these higher ups as far as boosters and, you know, board of directors folk and things of that nature. I have a feeling that the media was tipped off once these folks heard about it, because time and time again, you hear these people in power who are going to look for every excuse possible to get rid of somebody they don't like for whatever reason, insert here. And of course, like we mentioned, Mel Tucker just signed a huge contract a couple years ago after their stellar 11-2 and season. But I feel, I feel as though something shady is going on because Brenda Tracy herself was the one who wanted to handle this behind closed doors and not put on the national stage, not for Mel Tucker's ego but for herself you know out of safety concerns she didn't want to put her name out there in the media which that's her right she should feel safe especially in it with everything that's going on right now now i want to i want to ask you does am i just do i have my tinfoil hat on right now with my conspiracy theory that thinking that something bigger is going on behind closed doors and they're just trying to look for every excuse possible to get mel tucker out or do you think this is just the the way this is going to get handled from here on out I mean, now that it's happening, this is going to be the way that I'm, I feel like it's going to go. And it's unfortunate, like you said, for Brenda Tracy, that, you know, that she even had to get brought out into the public light on this when as big of an advocate as she is, she very much wanted to stay, you know, private on this because unfortunately, when it comes to these universities and any sports program, really fans are especially when it comes unfortunately to sexual assault towards women or any any type of issue towards women 
these fans of football teams and shit are not going to care about the alleged victim and they are not going to listen they're not going to believe no matter what if it means that it's going to hurt their team's chances and the you know possibly cause their good or great coach to get fired so i mean at at this point it i'm sure michigan state is just trying to find any way possible to recoup any of this guaranteed money because as we've said before on the show fired college head coach is possibly the best job in the world you can like it's the guaranteed money that they give out from these universities is crazy and they've done that with mel tucker now they're gonna have to try and figure out some way to get him out some way to get concrete proof into that contract to where they're not having to pay him out and he's getting the luxury of not only skating from all of these crimes and shit for years whatever the investigation will bring up but he's also going to get the big payday with it yeah absolutely you know and just to put a number on it that contract was for 95 million dollars which made him the second highest paid coach in college football over the Dabos, over uh who else we got out there we got nick saban you got i mean hell even brett venables with the amount of success that he had in clemson going to ou you think that he would be able to make a lot more money than that but no that's a huge number on there of course it's still really really early on in the whole investigation process and information i'm sure information is going to be coming out almost daily I believe that that hearing is still set for that October 5th date, so more to come there. But to kind of pivot a little bit, I do have some exciting and some really, uh, what's the word I want to look for? Some justifying behavior out of the Pac-12, Reed. I don't know if you saw this. So recently, there, there should have been a meeting this past Wednesday in regards to the Pac-12 voting on the next board of directors to kind of go over assets and liabilities and how to handle the Pac-12 from here on out with the mass exodus that's going to be happening. But recently, a state judge in Washington granted temporary restraining order against the other 10 teams on the behalf of Oregon State and Washington State. So that way they stay the hell away to prevent the Pac-12 conference from holding that board of directory meeting this week. I mean, talk about sticking up for yourself. You have these 10 huge institutions leaving to go off to better things. You got the little brothers kind of picking up the slack and trying to make something of it because the Pac-12 does have still have a huge holding power as far as name goes, name recognition and assets, and they still have some money tied to them. But how the hell are you going to be, you know, throwing parties and super excited and high fives all around that they're leaving to go to, you know, the Big Ten or the Big 12 or SEC, wherever conference they land on, and then have the audacity to say, oh, no, we should still have a say on what happens with the Pac-12. No, get the fuck out. Get the fuck. Congratulations to Oregon State and Washington State for this major win in my book. That's what makes it even sweeter that they're currently 2-0. Um, a couple a couple more detailed things about that. You know, like I said, a temporary restraining order blocks a Pac-12 board meeting schedule for this past Wednesday and sets up a future preliminary injunction hearing to determine the voting members of the Pac-12 board of directors. So they're going to figure out who's going to be able to vote. 
And all signs are pointing to any, it's not going to be anybody besides Oregon state and Washington state. And then whatever teams they can entice to come over to the PAC 12, whether it's a merger completely with the mountain West, or they kind of pick and choose teams from here and there. Um, of course, Reed, to no surprise to you, the PAC 12 declined to comment on the ruling. Naturally. I mean, I think George Klapkov, I mean, he is currently the PAC 12 commissioner. You know, he's facing challenges and keeping the league even operational at this point. That man is stressed. Oh, he's <laughs> he's done. There was already there was already writing on the raw that he wouldn't be he was wasn't gonna be able to be the Pac-12 commissioner in the future after this anyway. So yeah, he's just stressing the hell out. Nobody's gonna be able to be the commissioner of the Pac-12 <laughs> in the future. <laughs> Right. But like, like I said, they still have huge value in the Pac-12's name, you know, the television network that they have, the assets they have, and not to mention the NCAA's men's basketball tournament tournament units that they carry over that they could use with the Mountain West. So I said it once and I said it again, folks, especially with the Pac-12, there is more to come. It seems like there's updates with this every week, but I'm going to chalk this up to a win to the little guys. Congratulations, Oregon State, Washington State. You deserve this one. Oh, but let's pivot. How about that, Reed? You ready? I'm pivoting. Let's get into week three. But before we get into week three, let's recap that game of the week. Texas, Alabama, in Tuscaloosa, Bryant Denny Stadium. You would think that Nick Saban was going to have his team 100% ready to go. Make sure that tennis that Texas wasn't going to come in and get that upset victory, but boy, were we wrong. That was a thriller. All the way down to the last minute, you got Texas scoring 21 points in that fourth quarter to get that victory on the road. Congratulations to the Texas Longhorns. Quinn Ewers is looking like a like a dog out there. I mean, it's it is clear to see why he has that perfect 1.0 rating coming out of high school. Of course, he decided to go to Ohio State, transfer to Texas. But he's 24 for 38, 349 yards, and three touchdowns in that game. Like I said, that key to victory that I had for Alabama to pressure him and uh, confuse him and really force his hand, they didn't want to listen to me, Reed. I don't know why. I, fe- I felt like I had good, a good idea. But they didn't have – they had no answers for Quinn Ewers, no sacks. No real pressure, no interceptions, no turnovers on their book. Yes, he did have the fumble. It's a wash. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but not, but not even him. I mean, you have, uh, you had Jonathan Brooks rushing for 57 yards and a touchdown, and then you had that nightmare wide receiver room led by Jatavian Sanders with five receptions, 114 yards, and then Donnie Mitchell, two touchdowns. You had Xavier Worthy with a touchdown. Those names I mentioned last week to Alabama, if you want to try to neutralize that Texas offense, you got to neutralize those wide receivers. And clearly they didn't do it. And Reed, I don't know if you have anything for Alabama. I don't think I do anymore. I don't know what the hell they're going to do at quarterback. Jalen and Milrow looked extremely pedestrian, 14 for 27, 250 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. I mean, even at this point, you got Notre Dame transfer. Tyler Buckner is going to be starting against University of Southern Florida next week. Is there any hope for Saban in that Alabama team right now this season? Or they just got to hit that reset button? Not this season, 
I wouldn't say. Like, I, I, I don't think there's any playoff hope, really. Um, I, the quarterback situation, the streak is done on, you know, the NFL Heisman candidate quarterbacks that they've been having over the last few years. Uh, I just I, – I, I don't believe that this is the end of the Saban era and the Saban legacy there, but it's going to be much harder for Alabama, as we've seen over the years with NIL and how it allows these other universities to become more competitive and to steal players from, you know, the legacy schools like Bama. So I think that Saban and that school, like they're big enough that they will still be able to get their recruits and they'll be able to turn it around. And I'm sure that they will adapt if Saban wants to, if Saban's planning to, you know, still coach for the next few years, he is getting up there in age. But this year, nah, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. Yeah, yeah, I don't. And of course, with them dropping that victory, or yeah, they, they dropped that game to Texas, going down to the, still staying in the top 10, staying at 10. I think this college football playoff committee is going to try to make every possible argument to keep Alabama as close to that top four spot as they can for this point. I don't know why you think they'd get a lot more exciting games out of anybody but Alabama but hey it's it's Bama it's the SEC like I said I've I've I see nothing but SEC bias week in and week out but hey fuck Bama congratulations Texas this is a huge win especially going now that they'll be going to the SEC full-time next year nice feather in the cap for Steve Sarkeesian but that's last week what's this week Reed it's week three and this is week three and I can see why ESPN and College Game Day decided to go to Colorado State and Colorado for Game Day this week because you know they got the, they're two and zero. We got Dion there. You got Shador killing it. You got Travis Hunter still going 120 plus snaps every single game on each side of the ball. So I can understand that the the draw there. But when I first was looking at the schedule, I was like, I don't want to do what game day's doing. This is shame day. I want to do what I want to do. So I looked at everything and I mean, yeah, you have a, uh, you have number 11, Tennessee going on the road against Florida, but fuck Florida. I'm never going to give them any kind of limelight onto this show whatsoever. No shout out to you Gator fans. And then the team we just talked about Alabama, number 10 at South Florida. I just feel bad for South Florida at this point. You mean you're, you're going up against that Alabama team that just got embarrassed at home by Texas. I expect a huge game out of the Alabama team, 50 plus points. They're going to embarrass the hell out of Southern Florida. And then after that, you I mean you have South Carolina at Georgia, but I mean, honestly, if I wanted to, if I wanted to watch an older brother beat up on a younger brother, I would just go to a family cookout. Like I just, there's no need for me to watch that game. It's, it's irrelevant. You're going to know what's going to happen. And then a, a really big honorable mention game that I'm going to be keeping an eye on is number 14 LSU at unbeaten yet unranked Mississippi State. Meh. I'm excited, but it's SEC, it's SEC football, whatever. And then this would have been my game of the week if it weren't for the just the negative limelight that's going on right now in East Lansing. That would have been number eight Washington at Michigan State. You know, that was a game going into the beginning of the season. I saw that for week three. I saw the rest of the slate of the games. I was like, you know what? That might end up being the game of the week for the shame day, but there's too much going on up there in Michigan. I got to stay far, far away. So, Reed, that just unfortunately leaves me one choice. 
I guess we're going to Colorado. I guess we're going to Boulder with them. We're going to Boulder. We're going to Boulder, folks. <laughs> That's right. You got Colorado State facing off against number 18, Colorado. Like we mentioned before, Shador Sanders completely lighting up the football world. 69 for 89, 900 yards, six touchdowns. He doesn't seem like he's going to be slowing down until he gets to one of those big boy games. But there's an added element to it now. Because recently, you had Jay Norville from Colorado State with, what do they call it, Reed? Bull, bulletin board talk? Yeah, yeah, the yeah bullet, bulletin board material. Yeah, for those who missed it, came out this is in in reference to how Deion sanders goes to meetings and press conferences and interviews comes out saying when i talk to grown-ups i take my hat and my glasses off that's what my mother taught me and reed i know me and you have yeah, they're, they're pretty similar upbringings but one thing that i think that spans everyone is you don't bring mom into any conversation no ever no especially Dion's mom like if I can make any betting advice to anybody out there right now is the jump on the DraftKings or FanDuel or wherever you go to sports booking legally mind you and take Colorado everywhere 50 points plus take any kind of prop bet you can find because Colorado is going to blow their shit up. And this is no knock against Colorado State. They got some great players on that team. But when you're already up against it, roster versus roster, coach versus coach, and then you add that to the mix. I mean, Shiloh came out on the Pat McAfee show just saying, I don't know why they keep doing this. Why do they keep saying, <laughs> like, are you, do you want to do this? You can't, you, you can't even say nothing to Dion. Ed Werder was just in the press conference minding his own business. He was just sitting there. Dion looks at him and says, do you believe? His, Ed Werder was probably, I don't know, he's probably doing the immaculate grid or something. He looked up. He was like, believe in what? And Dion goes off. You don't believe. You're not ready. Not taking questions from him. You can't say oh. nothing. No. No, no, no. And, of course, that's going to be a late game. For everybody, especially out here on the East Coast, I believe it is a 10 p.m. game. I mean, I guess I'll watch it. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be late. Yeah, what else is gonna be on? I got nothing else going. I got nothing to do. Yeah, we'll roll with it. Oh yeah, and Reed, there's there's another game of mention. Well, not really the mention. Lame of the week: Stony Brook at Arkansas State. Just don't. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. Just don't. <laughs> Just the don't. names. The names. The names give you nothing. They give you nothing. <laughs> Look, you know. It's just getting getting back to your game of the week there with Colorado and Colorado State and just seeing how do you feel about literally every sports media entity seeming to end up in Boulder this week. Like first take was there on Friday. You've got college game day going to be there. Big noon Saturday on Fox will be there. All of the entities are going to be at Colorado for this game. Is there, I want to know what the reasoning you think it could be for why everybody's going there right now. Cause I have a theory. My theory is that there's nowhere else to go this week. That's yeah. That's a good one. Like I just mentioned, like the, the five or six games I just mentioned that, you know, kind of rival that if 
some of these other teams like Florida, they were actually relevant right now. You'd want to go to that game, but there's really no game of mention like there has been in the past two weeks. You got Dion leading Colorado right now to a two and zero start. You got all the hype, the hype, got that the hype train, the primetime express just rolling right now. I figured it would have been either next week or the following week because they're at Oregon next week and then they're at home against USC. So well, I'm wondering if they're trying to get there now before those games. That's that's my theory right there. It's it's partially the first one in that it's a bad week, so it's like a perfect storm. And like you got all the hype right now, undefeated Coach Prime, undefeated Colorado, not just undefeated, putting up 45 points in week one and 36 week two. Now you're going to go up against Colorado State. They're probably going to win that. It's going to be, it'll probably be a big score. And then after that, you have number 13, Oregon next week, number five, USC after that. Arizona State's not necessarily great, but then Stanford can be Stanford. And then you have UCLA, Oregon State. Like it's going to be tough. And that magic that headline of coach prime in Colorado, it might just completely flatline from here just with a couple losses. Like it's not going right. to go away, but no. it's not the same thing. No, no, I, I am a complete agreement with you. And I think one other kind of added aspect to it too, is because it is such a late game. It's like I said, the kickoff is 10 o'clock Eastern standard time, seven o'clock West coast time, but that gives ESPN all day to do whatever the hell they want with game day. They can have, I think they have The Rock coming on to be a special guest pick host God. with the with the, with the with them. Why, because um, it's older? <laughs> Damn. Damn it. Damn. You know what? I'll give that to you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give that to you. I don't think, I, I think we have to leave on that high note. <laughs> oh, folks, but to round out the re rest of this college shame day broadcast, the most exciting point of the show, something that I got, I know I saw a lot of traction on last week. I was really excited to kind of do. It's the Wheel of Degenerate. For those who missed last week, Wheel of Degenerate, we're going to take every game that includes the top 25 ranked team, put it on a wheel, spin it around five times. Let the fates do their work, and whatever those five games land, I'm going to build a five-team parlay. I will not tell you who I'm picking live. I'm going to have to put that on the social. So if you're not already following College Shame Day on Instagram, go to at 323CollegeShameDay or at 323Read. I got the, For those, I got the directions down there. Which way are you pointing? I'm pointing at you. I know this is an audio medium, so the folks that are listening to this in their car, they don't see what Reed's doing. But folks, if you go to the YouTube channel for the 323, you can see what Reed's doing. 323 Network, right on YouTube. Big views That's... for College Shame Day. You want to see him. Man. But we got a little bit of an upgrade to the wheel, Reed. You notice anything Whoa. different? Oh, look at that logo. Look at that shield got... on there. We got the brand new College Shame Day shield. Hey. But to recap last week, we had Utah, Kansas State, Notre Dame, SMU, and Florida State. Like I said earlier, fuck you, Utah. Because I picked the point, I picked the spread at seven and a half, and they missed because they only won by seven. But I did hit on Kansas State at 
minus 14 and a half. And I did hit on Notre Dame at seven and a half. Of course, I missed the Hail Mary upset of SMU over Oklahoma. That's more on me. But we did hit Florida State with the spread of 30 and a half points over. (laughs) I feel if you go back and watch that game, I feel really bad for Frank Gore Jr. He was getting pissed. He is so close to cementing himself even further into the the halls of college football. I really hope that he's able to move on to the NFL and father in his father's footsteps. But hey, game's the game. Let's get this underway, folks. All right. Reed, you ready? I'm so ready. All right. So to recap these games, before we spin this wheel, we got number three FSU at Boston College, number seven Penn State at Illinois, number 14 LSU at Mississippi State, number 15 Kansas State at Missouri, Weber State. Never heard of them. At 12, Utah. Central Michigan at number nine, Notre Dame. South Carolina at number one, Georgia. Number 10, Alabama at South Florida. San Diego State. Shout out to you, Luis. And the Aztecs at 16, Oregon State. 19, Oklahoma at Tulsa. Minnesota at 20, UNC. Northwestern at 21, Duke. Western Michigan at 25, Iowa. Western Kentucky at six, Ohio State. Eight, Washington at Michigan State. Northern Colorado at 23, Washington State. North Carolina Central at 24, at number 24, UCLA. Number 11, Tennessee at Florida. Bowling Green at number two, Michigan. Georgia Tech at number 17, Ole Miss. Wyoming at number four, Texas. Hawaii at number 13, Oregon. And the official college shame day game of the week for week three in college football, Colorado State at number 18, Colorado. Let's see if it comes up Let's, on the wheel this time. <laughs> listen, we will... We'll take the fates. Here we go, folks. Spin number one. And it is Bowling Green at number two, Michigan. Ooh. Okay. Let's remove him from the board, Reed. Well, see, I know you're going to have your picks, of course, at 323 College Shame Day, so... I don't have my picks on there, so I will give you folks, the non-college football expert here, I will give you number two Michigan in that game. (laughs) It seems, you know, Reed, I like the way you think with that one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks, spin number two. Look at that wheel, it's spinning, spinning, everybody going and spinning, spinning. We have... Oh, no. Oh, number 10, Alabama traveling to sunny South Florida. So weird to see Alabama at 10. Right. And like, it's just like the college gods just want me to root for Alabama. And I just just, just don't, I don't know if I have it in me, Reed. That's just been number three. That's just a game you skip. Yeah, (laughs) maybe. Oh, and we got, oh, oh. Western Michigan at number 25, Iowa. Wow, that was right there. That was teetering. That was teetering. That was teetering that was, on that Northwestern game. That was one of those prices right bankrupt or, you know, yeah, whatever it is. I think Man. I'm thinking of Wheel of Fortune. Spin number four. What are the best Where wheels in land? entertainment? 
Oh. Whoa. Where is it? It looks like it's right in between. Number 15, wow. Kansas State. The Wildcats at Missouri. Missouri. Man. But just to recap a little bit there, because I know we are just firing off on off on all cylinders right now. We got number 15, Kansas State at Missouri just now. Number 10, Alabama at South Florida. Western Michigan at number 25, Iowa. And Bowling Green at number two, Michigan. Reed, looking at this list of games, what are you hoping number five is going to be? I would really like, I would really like Colorado to get in there. Oh no! <laughs> you know what? I like that. Selfishly, I like the Florida State pick, but I never like betting on my own team because I always feel like I need to fade myself. Yeah. Um, if I were to go with one game that I could see a potential upset, you know, I feel as though with the lackluster performance that came out of Tennessee last week and they're traveling in hostile territory in Gainesville to Florida, you know, that could be a game I could see having a squeaky upset. Yeah. Let's see if we get it, though. I'd like the stress of FSU getting in there for you. Oh, man. Well, it's not them. Nope. No, folks. The fifth and final game on the ticket is number eight, Washington at Michigan State. That's good. That's another one of those sneaky games. Wow. I love it. Good selections in there. Oh, I absolutely. Like Just to recap it again, Bowling Green at two, Michigan. Number eight, Washington at Michigan State. Western Michigan at 25, Iowa. What the hell? Hmm. I just realized we got a little bit of a trend going there. Whoa. Yeah, what's happening? What happened? <laughs> and then 10, Alabama at South Florida and 15, Kansas State at Missouri. Like I said, folks, I will not give you my picks for these games live with you right now. The only place that you're going to be able to find that is at 323 College Shame Date on Instagram. Look for that before the noon kickoff games tomorrow. Reed, thank you so much for joining us once again. Of course, as always. And as always, I do have something for you. We talked about Grambling State at the start. And look. I went into Grambling State, notable alumni, and I could give you names. I could just give you the names, but I think this one actually requires a little bit of a presentation to go into the surprise that I got. Oh, I'm ready. Looking into the notable alumni here. So, notable alumni of Grambling State. Grambling State is basic. I'm not sure if it's classified exactly as an HBCU. But it's uh, I, it's pretty much a black college. It could be one of those unofficial ones, but I, I think it might be an official HBCU. And as I'm going through the notable alumni, obviously you see the pattern. You see the culture. You, see the lo you love to see it. And you got notable alumni like famed R&B singer Erica Baidu. Oh, man. She went there. Doug Williams. First black quarterback to win a Dougie. Super Bowl. Washington. There, he went to Grambling State. You got legendary rapper E-40. Asians, wow. Caucasians, blacks, and Latinos. <laughs> I'm just a dog trying to get a buck. E-40 <laughs> went to Grambling State. And, of course, everybody knows and loves Burl Kane. Whoa. <laughs> now, this is a wild one to have gone to this school. Burl Kane's the commissioner of the Mississippi Department of Corrections, but most notably, he's the former warden 
at Angola, the famous Louisiana prison that's been called the farm where he was relieved of his duties because he was having prisoners do renovations of his homes and all this other kind of work that be that you know could be considered by you know the woke media as modern slavery all that kind of stuff that Burl Kane would go against he was also one of those he was, he's like one of those movie wardens that makes you find Jesus like you don't have an opportunity to go you know read the bible and everything Burl Kane is your god Grambling State notable alumni look at that for <laughs> Like I said, I know this is primarily audio medium. We do have the YouTube channel, so make sure to check it out to get a a, a nice <laughs> close up look about this guy. But for those that have listened to the show for a long time, we 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 did have a little bit of a segment last year when the uh, the Jerry Jones pictures surfaced of him in high school, and I said it once, and I'll say it again. Read that haircut just comes off racist. It. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you can see the slurs just like starting to build up in that that turkey neck there. Oh my god, I can just I can hear the jowls shaking from here. <laughs> oh, folks, but that is it for this week at College Shame Day. Like I said, check us out on all the social medias at three two three read at three two three College Shame Day, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you can find your podcast, you can find us there. But also, always remember if you're not going to be good, be good at it. Have a shameful day, folks. See you next time. Go Cupcakes.